Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you're having a good day. Thanks for joining us. I'm in uh, northern Illinois, Batavia, Illinois, on the set for This Week in Agribusiness. I'll be co-hosting this week with Chad Colby as we sit in for Max and Orion. Well, coming up on our program today, we're going to talk with Brian Keel, Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade, as that uh, coalition is joined with a bigger coalition now to get the message to the administration about how much tariffs are hurting not just agriculture but the U.S. economy overall and the need to get trade deals done. We're going to talk with Mark Fight with the International Agribusiness Group. We're going to talk about markets, some reaction to yesterday's USDA numbers. And Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers will join us to talk about the latest ag sales numbers. And they continue, even in a down economy, continue to be pretty good. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But right now we're joined by John Jenkinson. You see him on RFD-TV. John, thanks for joining us. Good to talk to you, Mike. How are you doing today? Doing good. I know you're busy um, with your show today, but wanted to get your thoughts on a few things. Uh, I know you're, you do a lot of market work there at RFD-TV. You'll be talking about those USDA numbers yesterday. Let's talk about some of that. Uh, they came out with a 52.8 number for soybeans. Yeah, that was a little bit of a, a little bit of a surprise to a lot of folks that we talked to. Uh, that whole entire uh, report was actually a little bit of a surprise to the market analysts that we visit with each and every day. And uh, kind of, it was obvious that it kind of caught the trade a little bit off guard as well. Uh, quite a soybean yield, quite a, quite a corn number, too, also. Yeah, when you look, let, let's talk a little bit more about soybeans, though. We're expecting a big crop. Uh, that, that number on soybeans could actually go up. Yeah, that's exactly right. And from some of the people that I've had the chance to visit with, and, and when I say people, I mean producers, I recently have been having uh, conversations with some of the producers in, in Illinois, in your state there, uh, as well as uh, parts of Iowa. And uh, I even traveled back home last weekend to Kansas. And, uh, the, boy, I tell you what, this at that term, big crops get bigger, uh, certainly, uh, certainly could hold true this time around, particularly with all of the good weather at finishing the soybean crop. And now it's going to come down to demand to make sure that we can have a market for these soybeans. Yeah, that's the big unknown there. Now, on the on the corn number, what what are your thoughts there? What are you hearing on the corn reaction to the corn number? I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, this morning. Uh, I was sharing a video uh, with some of our producers here at the at uh, RFD TV, where um, a producer, a farmer, sent me a video of uh, harvesting corn. And his monitor was showing anywhere running from 292 to 300 bushels per acre. And uh, he was in parts of southern Illinois cutting dry corn or picking dry corn, I guess is how a lot of folks say it. But uh, some of these yields are just going to be phenomenal this year. Now, I will um, kind of offset that with this just a little bit. We know that there are areas that aren't going to enjoy yields like that. You know, parts of northeast Kansas, uh, Ken McCauley's area there around White Cloud and even further east or along uh, northern parts of Missouri and very far southern Iowa, boy, that was an area that was hit so hard by drought. Uh, there's going to be some yields there that aren't going to be that impressive. So 
it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. But nonetheless, a lot of good corn around the area. And what's interesting, Mike, uh, Marlon Bowling and I were talking about this yesterday a little bit here in the studio, the fact that this is a crop that went in late and is actually coming off early, still with record yield. And I think that may speak to a lot of what we've done with breeding and with technology. Well, USDA pegs it at 181.3. Some are wondering if that number might actually come back a little bit as we get into harvest. We'll see. Now, yesterday, by the way, I had a farmer on uh, just west of Jacksonville, just west of where I live, and he told us that his early uh, harvest was 220 to 250. He was just getting into it. Right after we got done with the show yesterday, he called me back and said, oh, I just hit a patch that was 313. So that shows uh, the variability that's out there. Now, he's in an area that didn't get, did not get as much rain as some just a few miles east of him. So uh, that just shows the variability that's out there. Oh, absolutely. And, and we knew that there was going to be some variability with this crop. But nonetheless, uh, some of these areas, uh, particularly of, you know parts of Nebraska, where they had just perfect ideal conditions just about all season long they had some of the rains at the right time not too much uh there's going to be some fantastic yield and some of that actually may offset some of these areas that was coming up a little bit short i know back uh in southwest kansas last weekend there was a lot of areas that were already starting to harvest high moisture corn and that's corn that they take straight to a feedlot and uh, some of the yield reports i was hearing uh, from there were uh, better than what was expected in some areas. Yeah, I'm really anxious to see as more numbers come in, especially these bean numbers when when the bean harvest really gets rolling. Uh, John, you're from Kansas, uh, wheat country. Uh, we know some wheat growers aren't real happy with the ag assistance package that was announced or the formula that was used. Uh, what are you hearing from uh, folks back home? Yeah, same thing, Mike. Wheat producers felt like they got kind of left out of the deal. Uh, they understand that, okay, uh, we've got more markets for wheat in other places. Uh, probably didn't really apply to the China deal. But, you know, that wheat that wheat market has been depressed for some time. We, that shows up in, in the amount of wheat acres that are expected to be planted uh, this time around. You know, we've seen a continual drop of wheat acres here over the last two to three years because of price. So the market is telling producers to, you know, uh, cut back on some of these wheat acres. But now the situation has changed, and I think that's pretty much offset some of the frustration about the administration kind of leaving wheat out of the deal because uh, Russia may come up with a short crop. That still has yet to be determined. Australia may come up with a short crop because of weather problems there, the Black Sea region. And so the wheat farmers that I've talked to here over the last two weeks uh, some of those are already planting wheat in Oklahoma and, and uh, you know, the Texas Panhandle. They're a little more optimistic this time around than they have been just because of the potential uh, that, you know, we may have to lean on the United States a little bit uh, harder for uh, some of these wheat supplies, and we may be able to see a little bit of a rebound in the price. And with that planting, uh, what's your moisture situation? Excellent. One of the first times uh, that this winter wheat crop in Kansas is going to go in in good moisture you know, this time last year we had a lot of rain, and then it stopped raining. Well, this year there's been enough spotty rains here and there and enough widespread rains that much of the hard red or winter wheat crop, particularly there in southern and central Kansas, is going to go into fantastic topsoil and subsoil moisture. So uh, as far as that's concerned, a lot of folks are uh, really pretty pleased with 
planning conditions here over the next two to three weeks. I know that in Oklahoma, uh, they're in northern, very far northern Oklahoma, where I'm just about 60 miles from the border. Uh, they are planting a lot of pasture wheat right now, and some of that wheat has already emerged and up and looking good. There was plenty of moisture. We've had temperatures in the 70s and 80s and maybe even a few low 90s that has really brought this crop on. So there's going to be great pasture this year, uh, it certainly looks like, and uh, could get this wheat crop off to a very good start. All right, John, thanks for the update. We'll let you get back to it there at RFD-TV. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. Have a good day today. All right, take care. John Jenkinson with RFD-TV. All right, lots going on with trade and with markets. We have lots more to talk about. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited-time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. 
Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, over 80 of the nation's leading trade associations representing thousands of businesses and workers have announced the formation of America's Americans for Free Trade. Americans for Free Trade. It's a multi-industry coalition aimed in opposing tariffs and highlighting the benefits of international trade. This new group will immediately join Farmers for Free Trade. And the executive director of Farmers for Free Trade, Brian Keel, joins us now. Brian, good to talk with you again. So this shows that it's more than just uh, the ag community that's concerned about these tariffs. That that's right, Mike. And uh, you know we've we've known that for a while. I mean, when you think about the ag community, well, of course you've got ag producers who are feeling the impact of tariffs, seeing low commodity prices and high input costs. Uh, but you have businesses next to next to ag that either serve ag or or that benefit from ag. So you've got you know equipment manufacturers, you've got equipment dealers, you've got Main Street businesses that 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 get dollars from uh, from farmers uh, after they sell their their crop. So so we knew, of course, it wasn't just the ag producer who was getting squeezed in this whole equation. I think what this announcement of Americans for Free Trade and this expansion shows you is it's really every part of the U.S. economy, from uh, from oil and gas, you know, the American Petroleum Institute uh, is, is part of this effort, to uh, lumber and building materials, to manufacturing, the Association of Equipment Manufacturers is part of this effort. I think everybody has a common interest in saying, look, let's 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 support trade, let's expand trade, but let's get back from this trade war, which is which is really squeezing our economy. And even though, Brian, there's a lot of good economic news out there, and we hear a lot about the general economy doing well, the ag economy not so well, but the general economy, a lot of there's a lot of uh, positives there. But there are these concerns, too, that these tariffs uh, will hurt or slow that uh, economic growth that we've been seeing. That's right. I mean, and I think it's think about it on two levels. One is the sort of the macro level. How much is this going to drag our economic growth generally? And I think there's a lot of economists who are saying this is this is going to put a damper on the U.S. economy as a whole. But put that aside. You know, Peter Navarro, one of uh, President Trump's trade advisors, said, "Well, w- the economy's so big, this this trade war is a rounding error." And we we responded, "Look." This trade war is having real impacts on real people, and those people are not a rounding error. And I think in addition to sort of the macro, what's the effect on the U.S. economy, you also got to think about the micro. What's the effect on individual farmers, on individual families, on individual small businesses? And increasingly, we're hearing these stories uh, of people who are getting hurt, farms that are going out of business, uh, uh, small businesses that are having to do layoffs. In fact, we launched on the Tariffs Hurt the Heartland website, which is tariffshurt.com. We launched an interactive map where you can go in and you can see stories all over the U.S. of impacts. Um, you can click on dots in your area and you pull up a story and it'll tell you, you know, here's a, here's a small business that's had to lay off 100 workers. Um, uh, here's a, you know, here's a, a business that's gone under or a business that's put aside its expansion plans. So these are real stories and real impacts that are happening, and, and we certainly shouldn't diminish those. We're talking with Brian Keel, Executive Director for Farmers for Free Trade, now part of Americans for Free Trade, a larger coalition. 
And, Brian, uh, your group has had a campaign going for some time now to get the message out, and especially to the administration, about the need to end uh, these trade wars. Uh, What is the strategy moving forward now that you're part of this bigger group? Well, I think it's I think it's a similar strategy, but a coordinated message. So you're right. We've for the last year been been working to talk about trade, the importance of trade, the benefits of trade. Um, this effort now really takes us from a conversation uh, with U.S. agriculture to parallel conversations with manufacturing, uh, with uh, families and consumers, uh, with the service industries, and again, a lot of those tie directly into agriculture. So it's a pretty natural conversation that we're having. That, that we're ha- <clears throat> excuse me that we're having, um, you know I think the strategy is the same. I think it's to tell the stories of impact, make sure that that's understood by the administration, and encourage the administration to to bring these negotiations in to a conclusion as quickly as possible. Uh, because it's not in our interest to have this held open for a year or two years, as trade wars often often stay open that long. I find it interesting looking at some of the groups in this coalition, the National Fisheries Institute, the Retail Industry Leaders Association, uh, the Information Technology Industry Council, also the Toy Association. I mean, it goes on and on. It really shows, um, you know, how broad this coalition is. I mean, it should send a pretty strong message, I would think, to the administration. I I would think so. And, uh, you know, just personally, I will tell you one of the heartening things about this coalition and some of the work we're doing is, you know, we've been blessed to be working in ag and to be like I saw you at the Farm Progress show uh, a couple weeks ago. You know, and you get to work with really good people in agriculture. I mean, farmers are obviously some of the hardest working people in in America. You know, families that that multi-generations have worked to create a business and create value. This expansion is really allowing us to talk to, to families and, and business owners in other parts of the economy, like Maine lobstermen. You know, every bit is honest, every bit is hardworking. Uh, they, they have their families, they want to make it their business. They, they may own a boat or a couple of boats, and they're harvesting lobster. Um, that they need to sell overseas, and they're not able to. They're having contracts canceled just as surely as you know the the apple grower in in Pennsylvania or or uh, you know the wheat wheat farmer in in uh, western or eastern Washington. Well, I know you've been going to farm shows, as you said. We saw each other at the Farm Progress Show. Uh, I saw Angela at the Missouri State Fair. You've been going to state fairs and various events. Now, you're going to keep going to more, right? You're going to go into some congressional districts, and uh, you're going to have a lot of things going on, again, getting the message out. Yeah, and that's and that, you know, a really important point to understand. So we had, uh, we had a team in Connecticut yesterday at the uh, National Association of State Departments of Agriculture. We did a press conference there with the Farm Bureau and with others. Uh, we have a team this week. We have a couple folks in uh, Nebraska at the Husker Harvest Show. So if you're if you're a Husker Harvest, please uh, stop by our booth. You can pick up a button and a bumper sticker and talk to us about free trade. Um, so we're we're going to keep doing uh, these types of events in ag country. I think what this expansion of the campaign means is we're also going to be doing events in major cities uh, where we're going to be bringing the agricultural voice to a broader audience. 
So, for example, next Tuesday we'll be doing a town hall event in Chicago. Uh, next Thursday we'll be doing a town hall event in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. Both of those will have ag components. So we'll have farmers from Illinois at the Chicago event. We'll have uh, grain growers who are providing product to distilleries in, in Tennessee at the Nashville event. So we'll be talking about the importance of ag, but we'll be alongside manufacturers, families, uh, the other partners in this coalition. And Brian, we've talked about this before, but I want to point this out again because it, we live in these politically sensitive times and people choose sides and, you know, we see what goes on politically in this country. Uh, again, this is not anti-President Trump. It's not anti-administration. It, what is it? It's anti-tariffs. You're just, you just want the tariffs to stop, the trade wars to stop, right? And that's, that's absolutely true. I think it's important for people to understand, number one, Farmers for Free Trade is absolutely bipartisan and non-political. Uh, we don't really have a dog in the fight in terms of politics. What we want to see is trade expanded for U.S. agriculture. We believe very strongly, because it's true, trade, trade is the underpinning of U.S. agriculture. You know, 20% of farm revenue comes from exports. We don't have trade. We don't have agriculture. So our job is to help engage farmers in support of trade. So part of that is, is being critical of tariffs because they clearly hurt agriculture. But a lot of it's also advocating for new trade agreements. You know, we want to we wanna see the administration succeed and negotiate a good agreement with Mexico and Canada so that that trading relationship can continue. We want to see the administration succeed and negotiate a good uh, agreement with Japan so we can expand our export opportunities there. So definitely not anti-Trump or anti-administration. It's really pro-trade and pro-agriculture. So, again, they can go to TariffsHurt.com, and what will they find there? Well, TariffsHurt.com, you'll find uh, information about that Tariffs Hurt the Heartland campaign. You'll find the interactive map where you can look at impact stories around the United States. You'll also find a portal where you can uh, send a message directly to your members of Congress. And we encourage you to go there, TariffsHurt.com. Com. We're talking with Brian Keel, Executive Director for Farmers for Free Trade, now part of the bigger group Americans for Free Trade. And, Brian, how, how do you judge or measure your success? I mean, what you're trying to do is create awareness uh, of the situation. Uh, what kind of response are you getting within the administration and within Congress? Uh, you know, I think there's there's a couple ways. You you sort of you're always reading the tea leaves, trying to look for those those indications of success. I mean, I think it was it was heartening that number one, the administration did reach an agreement with Mexico, and is in serious negotiations with Canada. So on the NAFTA front, you know, recall that a year ago. The rhetoric was that we were going to pull out of NAFTA. Now, I, I don't think we're out of the woods yet, but when we see these kind of positive steps forward, right. that's a measure of success. Very good. Brian, always good to talk with you, and we'll stay in touch. Thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Brian Keel, Executive Director of Farmers for Free Trade. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk markets, more reaction to the numbers yesterday from USDA. Mark Fight with the International Agribusiness Group joins us next on AOA. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? Kids, work, listening to the radio, you're busy. 
which is great because busy people can't get prediabetes. Oh my, I read that wrong. <laughs> they can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network, broadcasting from the final day of the Big Iron Farm Show in West Fargo, North Dakota. In the grain and oil seed sector, we've got a Thursday mix. Soybean futures trending about a nickel higher an hour into the day's trade, fraction better in corn. The ag weather forecast calling for Midwest conditions to remain drier with seasonal to above normal temperatures during the balance of this week. The Northern Plains have favorable conditions for harvest activity. The Canadian Prairies forecast continues to indicate periods of showers during the next week. That could disrupt some harvest activity. USDA yesterday raising its estimate for domestic corn production. There's been a lot of variability on the corn crop in the past year. U.S. soybean farmers also due to harvest a record crop, though USDA's numbers yesterday were largely in line with pre-report estimates. Despite the large stockpile estimates, soybean contracts appearing to be supported by news that the U.S. is reaching out to China to reestablish trade talks. The near-term trend for soybeans remains weaker though on the upside being bulls see resistance and the target at 851 and a half that'd be the daily high from September 4th new support said to be forming on November soybeans at 821 and a quarter if that floor gives way the next chart support level 810 and a half December corn tumbled yesterday to a sharply lower close, a breakdown from the recent minor consolidation phase, setting up the contract in December for a potential test of the mid-July low at 350 and a quarter. Livestock at the Merck, live cattle futures 25 to 95 cents lower, feeder cattle 55 to 70 lower, lean hogs 70 to a dollar five lower. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
And welcome back. Joining me now is Mark Feit. He is the managing director of the International Agribusiness Group, based just outside of Detroit, right? Correct. All right. Well, let's talk. Uh, let's talk numbers, and let's start with yesterday's USDA numbers. One eighty-one point three on corn. What'd you think of that? Well, that's a great number, and uh, Illinois certainly the star of the show at two hundred and fourteen bushels average. Uh, it's pretty amazing when you have to uh, be two hundred plus just to be average now. So I I think from here, uh, the surprise is probably over. Our guess is that that number may come back down toward 180, but uh, I think the big surprises are done in corn. So you think the corn number could come back a little bit. How much do you think it might come back? Well, I don't think it's a lot. I think we'd probably stay around that 180. Um, I think the surprise to us is when we look at uh, ear weights, that uh, we had record ear counts and record ear weights. Um, our guess is that w- the weights come back a little bit, but it just doesn't take much, and we stay you know, at that 188 number pretty close to that anyway. Do you see a bullish scenario longer term for corn when we look at the uh, overall picture worldwide for corn? We can. Um, I, I think uh, you know, we get past this, this bean issue, but uh, the corn numbers are not that that bearish. Actually, they're a little friendly. I think people underestimate uh, the demand that we're going to create from smaller wheat crops in, in the Black Sea and, and Europe, that uh, you lose the feed portion of that. And, and wheat is, uh, we feed a lot of wheat in Europe. So we have to replace that with corn, not only their domestic usage, but some of the export business that they had done. So I think corn demand going forward looks good. Okay, you mentioned the soybean situation. I mean, it's good production, but the the challenge, of course, is marketing it, especially with what's going on with trade. 52.8, could that number get bigger? Our guess is that you would handicap that a little bigger, the 53. We'll get north of 53. Um, We're just hearing too many good reports out of the the country, not so much on, on harvest yet, but when people go out and do pod counts, they're pretty astounded. So that, yeah, it looks to be a huge bean crop coming in. And with prices the way they are and the overall trade situation, I mean, is this a, a store and wait situation? Well, I think it is. I, I think if you can store beans, we've got uh, you know, exceptionally low basis numbers everywhere. If you can put them away, you do that. Um, if you've got to price anything, maybe you price a little more corn than, than, than soybeans. Um, we've got the opportunity, and, and this morning we're talking about uh, the possibility of the Chinese and Americans getting back together at the, at the trade table, so that's some optimism. We've got the opportunity to do something good with beans with one stroke of the pen. We're talking with Mark Fight with the International Agribusiness Group. Mark, there's, and I guess this is speculation until we see, but there's concern that even when these trade issues are resolved, say with China, that there's been some kind of long-term damage, that we've opened up the door for competitors to move in. How concerned are you about that? Well, we've got a substantial competitor in in Brazil and Argentina already. That's established. But this business is built on price. Uh, We can fix those relationships pretty quickly with a a lower offer. And you think even if nothing's resolved right away, and it doesn't look like with China it'll get resolved right away, but even so... Uh, especially what we get end of October, into November, they're going to need to buy even from us? Well, our bet is that they do, and we'll know in 60 days. There's there's a hole where, we've run out, where we will run out of South American beans. They're going to try to substitute as much as they can. There's a limit to that. 
but we still think they need to buy 10 to 15 million tons of, of U.S. soybeans somehow. Um, but we'll know that in 60 days because the whole will be November, December. We're not sure either with African swine fever in China, what that does to their swine herd could impact uh, what they need for uh, uh, feeding hogs. Yeah, we won't know that for, for quite some time, and we may never know the real story, the, the true data. But uh, it, it does put another cloud. It just darkens that soybean cloud a little more. I've been wondering and hoping, of course, that the deal is going to get done with China. Uh, but even if if it's not a done deal, it just it looks like more optimistic, an easing of tariffs or whatever it may be, what kind of lift could that give to the markets? Well, I, I think it's easily 50 to 75 cents. Um, you may see that more in basis than you will in, in the board. I think we've had a lack of trading in the in the board because of the risk and, and our price discovery has unfortunately been in, in a much uh, more negative basis number. So that'll be uh, something to watch. NAFTA, if we've got a deal evidently with Mexico or pretty close to it, we're still waiting to see if Canada comes in. How much of a lift does that give the markets? Well, I, th I think the Mexican lift was certainly a, a lift to the meat side, and I think the Canadian would be a, a lift to, a little bit to the dairy and the meat side. Um, you know, Canada took their problem, uh, their milk problem, and made it everybody's problem a couple of years ago when they allowed the, the sale of that cheap powder, they dumped that powder on, on the world markets. Um, what we'd like to see is take that problem back. Don't make that our problem. So we need them to um, uh, change the classification on, the, on their powder. Keep that in, in Canada. Um, give us the same deal that they gave to the TPP partners on, on milk. And it's a small piece. It's a 3 to 5% quota, import quota. It's, a, it's an opening of the door. Uh, and that would be positive, much more to dairy, uh, really very little impact, I, don't, I think, to the grains and soybeans. When we look at the, this harvest that we're just now getting into, uh, we talked about what we think we're going to see crop-wise. It, it sounds like could be storage could be a real challenge this, this fall. It certainly feels like it. It feels like uh, we just had a second harvest of the 17 crop the last uh, 30 days, 30 to 60 days. Uh, there's, it feels like there's a lot of stuff around. Uh, the northern parts of the Midwest are, are challenged with space. Uh, I think we're going to see more and more beans and bags in, in, the, in the Dakotas. We've seen that the last couple of years. Um, it's, it's, uh, I, I think as far as corn basis, we could see some improvement toward the end of the, the season. You got good carry. I think that will buy a lot of uh, corn bushels. Uh, soybeans will continue to be a challenge. I've already heard the comment, and this isn't unusual. I think this goes on a lot, but especially in a year like this, uh, a lot of farmers saying, well, I sold some earlier at a much better price. I wish I'd have sold more. Well, and, and that's our, our whole plan, and our whole program is built to to sell much more, sell 75 to 80, 100% of your crop when the price is right. And to do that, you have to get optionated. That's a, a, a word we've coined. Um, and it doesn't mean that options are your only uh, marketing strategy, but that has to be uh, part of your strategy to allow you to sell enough and to and to say I finally did something that was impactful. I sold enough at four dollars plus to mean something, and that's that's how our system is built. There's always that hesitancy. I certainly understand it when you're not sure what kind of crop you're going to grow. 
to have the courage to go ahead and, and price it out a, a big that big a percentage of it ahead of time well that's why you have to have a strong plan b uh, plan a is I'll, I'll bet on what i think is normally going to happen which is i get high prices early in the year and we grow a crop and prices come down that's normal that's uh, back to the 90s that's what we saw all during the 90s so we're we're back to those same strategies so your plan b is I got to have some sort of option to cover me if if we have that year where prices go to five dollars. Mark, what do you see with this wheat market? Well, I, I think we're close to, and and with most of these markets, I think we're carving out the bottom here in the next two to four weeks. Um, we, we've still got an issue in in Europe. Um, it looks like even that planting this next crop is going to be a a challenge. We've got dryness in Russia. The forecast is is improving. Um, but it doesn't look like we can get rain in both the Black Sea and Western Europe. We've got northern France and Germany relatively dry. Um, and I think people continue to underestimate the impact of that, that smaller production has on our corn market. You know, some farmers like to sell right off the combine at harvest time. This doesn't seem to be the good year, a good year for that. No, it, it uh, probably doesn't. Um, uh, but... I guess if that's all uh, what you do all the time, you stick to it, and you know you win a few, lose a few. You mentioned that you're somewhat bearish long-term on, on corn. I'm looking ahead to next year, we saw so many more bean acres this year. I'm kind of wondering, what are you thinking of on uh, acres next year? What kind of ratio? Yeah, well, I, I actually think the corn market's relatively friendly going forward. I think it'll take us a while. I think it'll take us till the first of the year to really see price movement back toward something closer to four dollars um so i i, I think the uh, uh that we're going to work toward better demand and and but it takes it that takes a long time to so, build so will the i guess the question is as we look to this winter will the market buy corn acres back the, for next year so as far as acreage and in, in next year um I, I think you're certainly looking at uh, with numbers we've got today at two to three million more acres of corn, you could be five million acres less in soybeans losing acres to, to cotton, wheat, and corn. Now, I was thinking coming into this planting season, of course, we didn't know all the trade problems that were going to be coming with tariffs and everything, but yet I kept thinking, wow, and I know there's the profitability in, in soybeans and that was attractive, but you can't just keep adding so many more acres uh, without seeing that kind of impact the price at some point. Well, and you have to go back at, at, we were very optimistic in the spring. We'd had five years where we continue to build out uh, soybean demand. 15 million tons a year had been a lock, and we had been pulling corn and wheat acres away from, uh, you know, into soybeans, and, and we're reducing corn and soybean, in, or corn and wheat inventories, and things looked optimistic. We were getting closer to, you know, balance supplies, so... Um, I think we're going to continue that if we get past this tariff issue, that we're going to see continued demand. So it, the, the storyline has changed 180 degrees today, and that's why it's so ugly on these soybeans. Mark, good to talk with you. Thanks for your thoughts on this. Thanks, Mike. Mark Fight with the International Agribusiness Group. He's based just uh, outside of Detroit, Michigan. All right, we have some new ag equipment sales numbers, and they continue to be... Uh, pretty good considering the ag economy and where markets are right now. We'll talk with Kurt Blades with the Association of Equipment Manufacturers next on Adams on Agriculture.
Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. 
Auto financing the easy way. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant, and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, each month we've been keeping a close eye on the ag equipment sales numbers, and we have been pleasantly surprised each month, and I think we are again uh, with this latest uh, report that is out. Joining us is Kurt Blade, Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Kurt, good to talk with you again, and we have uh, more positive numbers, right? Boy, good good news again, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we're we're pleasantly surprised. I think you said it said it best. Uh, the numbers still continue to uh, to look positive for for ag equipment sales, and certainly for tractors, combines, and uh, tractors and combines in the U.S. U.S. sales of self-propelled combines gained twenty three percent in August compared to last year. So, what's your takeaway there? Year over year over year, we're up about a, just under a hundred units uh, sold in August compared to this time last year. Uh, you know, obviously one one month is interesting, but I think what's more interesting is a year over year we're twenty three percent up. So uh, you know, about five hundred units up year over year. You know, what what do I make of that? I think uh, you know we're in a, we're still in a little bit of a replacement cycle. New models that are out there that are certainly interesting, and that's. That's causing some uh, some sales to happen, uh, and I think it's just uh, you know it, it, from what I hear from uh, from farmers and from manufacturers is they want to they see a dark cloud and they just want to go ahead and, and make some purchases now just to, just to prepare in the event that things do do turn south a little bit at least they've got some of their things worked out to, that that are necessary to make their business run. What about sales of two wheel drive tractors? Well, two-wheel drive tractors, the bright spot continues to be, and it has been for about a year and a half, is that under 40 horsepower tractor segment. And that has just been on fire for a while. Now, is an important note on that under 40 horsepower tractor, that includes farmers, but that includes a lot of non-farmers. And I think what we're seeing, why that continues to just lead the market, is frankly because the economy is, is just rolling, and there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of non-farmers that are uh, are finding you know something to do with uh, with with some of that extra cash, and a lot of times that is is making some uh, some purchases of uh, of smaller tractors. So that's absolutely promising. What also is is continuing to show some signs of growth. Uh, you know, forty to one hundred horsepower, forty to one hundred horsepower tractors. So good 
good utility tractors, um, you know, they're, they're up year over year, uh, you know, about two and a half to three percent. So I would just call that just sort of steady, um, steady to flat. Um, and that's, that's about where we expected that to be. And then a bit of a surprise this past month uh, has been the, 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 the year, the month over month uh, growth of uh, 100 horsepower tractors, 100 plus horsepower tractors. So we saw in August about a 26% jump in months over month sales from August, uh, August a year ago. And then that is, uh, that's reflected in about a 7% growth in that uh, higher horsepower tractor, about 7%, uh, you know, from, uh, from this time 2017 versus uh, this time 2018. So a nice solid market um, for, uh, for over, over 100 horsepower tractors. And I know we've said this before, but again, if you looked at commodity prices, if you listen to the news, all that we talk about on trade and tariffs and trade wars and concerned about where we're going to sell our crops, big crop coming in now that we're in the harvest, none of that would seem to indicate these kind of numbers. <laughs> it, it, you know, that's uh, there's a, the bit of the conundrum, and I think what you kind of have to recognize is that, uh, you know, a lot of farmers have have forwarded contracted before some of the the prices that the lower prices were baked in some of those trade reflected lower prices were baked in so a lot of forward contracts that already happened and the other thing that we've got is that you know farmers do have the ability to store grain they have the ability to hold on just a little bit and uh, so i think what we may be seeing is is uh, you know the tractor sales are are happening in preparation for uh, uh, for for that dark storm cloud in the event that it does, you know, things do get a little bit tight. But yeah, you're right, Mike. The uh, the tractor sales numbers and the combine sales numbers aren't necessarily reflective of of the sentiment that we're hearing among farmers, and certainly not reflective of the sentiment we're hearing hearing from our uh, from our manufacturers. But we'll continue to to you know to fight the fight the good fight on uh, on making sure that we have good trade for farmers and make sure that we have you know good renewable fuel standard for farmers because that uh, that demand is really important and that's really important to farmers and that's really important to uh, to our to our members and the manufacturers because obviously farmers are our customers what does history tell us uh kurt when we looking ahead to when we come out of this down cycle when you come out of a down cycle how quick are farmers then to start uh, uh purchasing new equipment are they somewhat hesitant trying to wait a little bit after going through a down cycle or once it turns positive do they say oh now's the time what's history show us how that works well i think what we're we're seeing history right now mike actually i think what we're seeing is that that uh you know as i said i call this recovery market this isn't necessarily a strong recovery but it's certainly a recovery market in tractor sales and part of that is because the highs were so high you know seven years ago uh, so then the lows were really, really low, and we're crawling out of those crawling out of those lows. Uh, so I think what we're seeing is that basically some of those deferred decisions, you know, it, it, at some point just had to be made. Those replacement decisions are, that had to be made. And that's what we're seeing seeing happen right now. Now, the other side of that is that if the uh, you know farm economy takes off and and commodity prices take off and farm farm income take off, boy, then we really start to see a, a solid recovery, and that looks that looks pretty exciting. All right, Kurt, good to talk with you again, and uh, we'll say it again. Hopefully we'll have good numbers again next month. Boy, I'm, uh, I'm optimistic. I want to continue to, uh, to report the same type of story next month. You know, ever since you and I have started doing this this year, month by month, we've only had uh, you know, positive numbers to talk about, so we want to keep that going. Let's 
keep that going. Maybe this is a good omen, Mike. Let's keep this going. All right. Let's hope so. Okay. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks much. Take care. Kurt Blades, he's Senior Vice President, Ag Services for the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. All right. With that, we're going to wrap things up. Coming up tomorrow, uh, the latest on the uh, continuing effort to get E15 sales year-round. We keep hearing uh, from the administration officials that uh, they're getting it's getting close, but it hasn't happened yet. So we, we'll get an update on that. More harvest updates as well, as each day we get more and more uh, harvest information as uh, those combines are rolling. And uh, more reaction uh, in the markets to USDA's numbers that came out yesterday, and we'll get some more Outlook information as well. All that coming up tomorrow. Hope you'll join us right here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.